You're listening to The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. The Times presents The Greatest Test. And here is your host, Andy Zaltzman. Good evening and welcome to The Greatest Test, a quiz show from The Times dedicated to the Ashes. The Ashes which England have now officially and properly won. And this time, not while sitting in a pavilion looking a bit sheepish about being saved by the rain. Before this series, many had predicted that England would give the Australians a proper whooping and beat them like a recently divorced French chef's egg white in a speed meringue-making competition. (laughs) Others thought it would be much closer than that, and in some ways, both have been proved correct. England have narrowly thrashed Australia (laughs) 3-0. And, uh, well, it could all have been so different in Durham on Monday. It looked for a while like Australia were going to come back to to 2-1 and only lose the Ashes narrowly in the final test. Um, And if only, from an Australian point of view, so many if-onlys, most importantly, if only they hadn't been so bad at hitting a cricket ball with a cricket bat. That was really the biggest if-only. And it all started so well. Chris Rogers and uh, David Warner building a stand. Rogers with more plays and misses than Shakespeare and Silvio Berlusconi. (laughs) Boom. Adding, uh, adding to his first innings 100 uh, that was invaluable and doggedly fought, but streakier and more awkward than a nudist running through a funeral, sh- <laughs> shouting, cheer up everyone, my wang's out. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think that simile stands. <clears throat> Warner was halfway through playing one of the great Ashes innings, but as with all great innings, It's the second half that is the key phase. We all remember Ian Botham's 149 not out at Headingley in 1981 because it had the second half. Otherwise, we'd have been saying, hey, do you remember when Ian Botham scored a useful 75 when England got thrashed by 10 wickets and went 2-0 down in the series? Shame he got out. Otherwise, we could have lost by slightly less. Same with Edmund Hillary. Uh, Everest conquering legend rather than Edmund Hillary the guy who pulled his hamstring on a mountain and came back down (laughs) before telling the press he was taking a lot of positives from conquering the foothills of the Himalayas (laughs) Neil Armstrong first man on the moon or the man who went quite high and had a lovely view it's a big difference you have to finish the job but just as Queen Victoria stopped William Gladstone halfway through his attempt to become the first man ever to spend an entire year bouncing on a pogo stick You not heard about that? (laughs) That just proves my point. So Tim Bresnan snaffled Warner with a snorter and cut off his impending masterpiece. And then Stuart Broad ran through Australia like an undercooked chicken vindaloo through a delicately stomached pensioner. (laughs) Before... Too soon. Before the Durham Test, Broad had taken nine Ashes wickets in 11 innings since blasting Australia to pieces at the Oval four years ago. But he took this game by the scruff of the neck, then headbutted it, performed an emergency tracheotomy on it, and fitted it with a new voice box saying, Oh no, in a baggy green accent. <laughs> so, 3 0 up with one to play, it's looking like England's to lose from here. As uh, someone who grew up watching the serial defeats of the 1990s, I still think Australia have a chance. <laughs> And uh, we're here at Northampton for this week's uh, greatest test where um, Australia are taking on the England Lions, um, which uh, might not be exactly what they want. Um, But uh, anyway, so for previous shows in this series, we've pitted 
a team representing England against an Essex side and twice against Australia. And we've even had England against England. This week we've got England versus commentators. Uh, and our first commentator, uh, a founder of Test Match Sofa, a man with cricket so deep in him that he has a tattoo of WG Grace on his soul and a tattoo of Rachel Hayho Flint on his hang on. That cannot possibly be true. It's Daniel Norcross. <laughs> Daniel, welcome, welcome back to uh, to the greatest test. It's lovely to be back, and it's lovely to be back. And uh, with a three nil win, win. Yeah, well, as you say, the, uh, the, 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 the <laughs> as he pours wine into a <laughs> pint glass. <laughs> <laughs> It's the tightest thrashing I've had since public school. It was. Uh, <laughs> you're absolutely right. It was. Uh, it's been magnificent. I've loved uh, not every minute of it. I didn't like the bits when Australia were quite good. They yeah. were. Uh, they were disappointingly even at that point, and I, I, I became rather concerned. But uh, the bits where we were absolutely murdering them were superb. <laughs> uh, when was it? Was it Sunday night? When did we? When did we win? I can't. I really can't remember. It was Monday. Was it Monday? Was well, because they played with the, that game started on Friday. A Friday. Yeah, exactly. It's not natural. No, no, no. no Thursday, no, no. eleven a.m. is when a test match begins. It's written in the Bible. If you read it, if you read it backwards in a John Arler accent. You're showing your age. It should be. It should be eleven thirty. That's exactly when it should start with Blinky West at eleven twenty-five and only five minutes build-up. But um, no, uh, yeah, that that was a that was magnificent, wasn't it? That yeah. last hour and three quarters. That was very exciting. So, two of my commentators. One had to go with a case of uh, chronic piles, and the other one had to go to work. And, uh, and I, was, I was really cheesed off because I could just I could see the clouds coming in. I thought I'm going to have to fill some pointless gubbins while I attack Aline Dar verbally for getting out of <laughs> light meter while not really understanding what 9.6 means. I mean, none of us do, do we? We say, oh, the umpires, how dare they? We can see. You don't have no idea. You have no idea what they can see. It was lovely. It was lovely. But yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to tonight and uh, putting the boot into the Aussies a bit more. <laughs> Great. And joining uh, Daniel on the commentator side, a man who calls the play on all the action here in uh, Northampton so if you want to know your Lee Daggett from your Sam Sweeney he is the go-to guy it's Chris Edgerton <laughs> welcome uh, Chris to the uh, to the greatest test have you um, what's what's been your experience of the uh, of the ashes. My experience has mainly been wondering how on earth England have managed to win 3 0 without actually including any Northamptonshire players in the side. Because oh, let's be fair, let, not, that I'm, not that I'm playing to the home gallery from the very instance, obviously. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, Lee Daggett, wonderful, shining example of how you have the biggest head since the Mekong, or indeed since the host of the greatest head. <laughs> um, and the most smiley face as well, thrown in as well. A, a legend, as he will prove on yep. uh, on Saturday with T Twenty Finals Day. Yep. And so, I mean, you'd put him in, probably captain for the series in Australia. I would put him as captain. In fact, I, th I would even have a shot at trying to get Trent Copeland to register for <laughs> England and open the innings with both ball and bat, basically. <laughs> because let's face it, if Darren Pattinson can get an <laughs> count, Trent Copeland has got as much a chance as anybody. Yep. Great. And uh, on the uh, on on the England team. Um, we have uh, <laughs> to take on <laughs> to take on our mighty commentators uh, eleven. Oh no, two. Sorry, I was reading it as a Roman numeral. Uh, no, I was, I was reading. It was written as a. That didn't work. Anyway, so um, <laughs> uh, firstly, it's the man who Mike Atherton dreams of being: the Times cricket writer Richard Hobson. <laughs> but, 
Welcome, uh, welcome, Richard. It's been. I mean, what? How have you rated England's performance in this series? You know, if they if they played South Africa now after losing to them last year, do you think they've improved as a team, or are they are they still on that level where they would, aren't quite up with the best? If they were to play South Africa now, I think South Africa would probably beat them as heavily as they beat them last year, which was what two 0 wasn't it? Uh, the draw at Headingley, Kevin Peterson's. Uh, well, finest hour, if you're the media, I suppose, reporting it. It was great copy. I don't think England are as good as they were in 2010-11, actually. Not quite. Yeah. Go back to that series in Australia. All our batsmen were at the top of their game, weren't they? Apart from Collingwood, who's never really at the top of his game. Wasn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even when he was scoring his double hundred in, uh, yeah. in Adelaide in 06-07, he still looked like he was scratching around whilst he was smacking it all over Yeah, he was. He was. He was a professional good chap, and he is a yeah. good chap. So, and joining uh, Richard in the, uh, in the England team, a comedian and another Test Match sofa stalwart, the self-styled King of the Jingle. King of the, King of the, ju- no, King, King of the Jingle. It's, it's James Sherwood. James, welcome. Welcome. Now, uh, Hello. on... Uh, uh, happy hours. Um, um, <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Your, your I, d- I didn't get your card. <laughs> your, uh, your jingles on Test Match Sofa have been, for me, uh, probably the highlight of the entire Ashes, more so even than Ian Bell's, <laughs> Ian Bell's batting. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very kind. What about, though, when England plays Sri Lanka? Because there's some pretty spectacular names in there. I mean, yeah. Is that going to be? Is that a challenge you relish, fitting a ten-syllable name into a jingle? Yeah, it is. I mean, th- those are the kind of names that are made for a patter song. <laughs> right. uh, if you actually, the whole lineup is a bit like singing "My Old Man Said Follow the Van." Right. Uh, at, Take it back. Music double style. speed. Exactly. Right now, it's time for uh, round one uh, of uh, this evening's greatest test. Now, our first round will determine uh, which of our two teams is the biggest pessimist. So we're going to start uh, with the uh, England team. Uh, you have two minutes to tell us why, despite winning the Ashes 3-0, England are now a worse team than they have ever been in their history. Mm. Starting now. Well, we're finished. Are we? We're clearly finished. Cook? Yep. Useless. <laughs> <laughs> Always has been. Um, <laughs> Root? Just terrified. <laughs> Too young. Uh, trot, um, excellent, but briefly. Yeah. It's not a lot of use. No. He's, I mean, he's having a few fantastic net sessions out there, but no, uh, <laughs> no real innings. Peterson, <laughs> uh, we can do on previous, can't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. KP, it's only a matter of time. He's only in for entertaining press conferences now, anyway, isn't he? Exactly. Uh, Bell? Well, his form's going to come to an end. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's made runs. I think history's shown us that there's any surer sign of someone about to not make runs. That's it's right. when they've just made some runs. That's right. Well, it's, uh, like, it's like Laika the Soviet Cosmodog. You think, wow, there's a dog in space. Yeah. Won't happen again. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, do you know how many the, do you know how many Hanif Mohammed got the day after he got four hundred and ninety nine? No. Not one. No. <laughs> did he I mean, bat but he didn't bat. Yeah, there wasn't a game. But he uh, <laughs> but point stands. He didn't get anything. Broad, very tall, um, <laughs> uh, Swan tells jokes and Anderson is from Burnley. <laughs> so we basically need a whole new eleven for Brisbane in November, Richard. Would you go along with that? As if, times if not, correspond. If not 12, yeah, if not 12. 12. Yeah. yeah. More 12. Monty Panasara's captain. <laughs> Panasara, definitely. Well, it's uh, a shame with Monty, isn't it? Because Monty could have been the North Ant representation at the Oval, but they're not going to pick him unless they want somebody to do the sprinkler, aren't they? 
Yeah. Well, we know we know England England like to bowl dry. They don't like their bowlers to spray it around. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I'd have thought we'd have gone for a whole North Hans 11 for the... Um, yeah. but then That's I'd a have great to... idea. I'd, let's go for that, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid uh, I'd say Jeff Cook, Wayne Larkins, and then give up. <laughs> there, are, there are a few English players in North Hans team these days, aren't they? So they, went through a, they went through a phase of being, what, half South African. Uh, they did, <laughs> yeah. Well, quite a lot of English players yeah. are half South African. <laughs> so, uh, and actually, I think you'll find that North Hampshire set the trend that England follow about five <laughs> yeah. years yeah. afterwards. So we're the cutting edge. Yeah. Right, so uh, Chris, how many, po- how many points did England get for that? I made it four points. Four points, oh. well done England. Four off the mark. Don't worry Chris, four. we have no idea what that means yet. We have no idea what that means. It could be out of ten, it could be out of four. Is that sort of Jean-Paul Sartre for where you don't actually yeah. know, you have to have it physically in the room for to know that it actually exists. Yeah. Is this what you get on, on BBC Northampton? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is very highbrow. Yeah, but normally <laughs> on BBC Northampton I'm not <laughs> halfway through a pint bitter. <laughs> on the sofa, on the sofa we speak to astrophysics now. and Malthus, but I have no idea. Just <laughs> way out of that. <laughs> So yeah, I, I don't know whether we're now four nil up, or whether we're basically yeah. four all out. Uh, Actually, the first game of cricket I ever played, I was we were four all out. I featured. It's true. I featured in the highest partnership. One was a leg bye. Uh, one was the other guy. Will Morley got it right. So we put on two out of a total of four. That's good. We lost by four wickets. I dropped two catches at mid off <laughs> before they'd won. So they were five for six at the end of it. And at the end of this, right, having appeared in a partnership, which could, 50% of our runs, I was dropped. That's just outrageous. That's I mean, can, can you imagine if, if either Hobbs or Sutcliffe had been dropped in 1920-21, or 26 for that matter, or 24-5? We would have been screwed. Yep. Was this an actual that, game? That clearly burnt, didn't it? It did, yeah. I should have. And I got the leg bite. It came off my leg. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's time for uh, the commentators to respond to England's heroic four points. Australia, let's be honest, have been basically pretty terrible, particularly with the bat. But can they do an England in the 90s and win the final test? Um, tell us why they've got it sewn up. And will it be? Tell us why it'll be just like the end of the 86 87 Ashes when Australia won the final test after losing the series and then did not lose another Ashes for 18 years. Tell us why that is now going to happen with this current Australian team. Well, so, yeah, far away. Well, every chance, well, thank you very much. No, after you. No, well, no, 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 no. They're so much better than us. You've only got to look at them. I mean, look at them. They care. They're gritty. They're determined. They've got, they've got John Crawley in their side. They've got Mark Rabrakash. They've got the, Usman Khawaja and Steve Smith. They have got the perfect building blocks for, uh, for a really hopeless, last rubber, pointless victory. You've only just got to take a look at, uh, at the Australian setup at the moment. 1990s, England were forever winning dead rubbers. And what were they also? Doing, they were, they were, they, they were doing the dirty on their prime ministers. Look what happened to jo, uh, what's his name, Major John Major. 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 That's a fella. Oh yes, oh yes. And uh, and they're doing the same with Julia Gillard. They're all over the place. <laughs> they're they're callow. Their seam bowlers break down. I mean, we, we never had the same team by the by the end of the uh, Ashes series, did we? I mean, this yep. team, this Australian team, is unrecognisable from the team in the first test and is bound therefore to win. We are we are also we lack the killer instinct. I mean, look at the English. We're just starting a period of long decline. You can feel it. <laughs> I mean, remember the Rugby World Cup? Oh, we were so good at rugby. Then we look, we won the World Cup. We got terribly rubbish. Um, when we were number one in the world, how long did it take for us to become number four? We're, we're, we're doomed. Now. We're doomed. Completely doomed. We have had enough. And, and Australia are ba- opening the bats, batting like we used to do. For the front leg to amputate. That's not worth five. I don't know what is. <laughs> so, Chris, how many points is that for the commentators? 
three. Oh. three. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. It is, it is very tricky to finish your answer while the producer is reversing his 4x4 into his garage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have some breaking news actually on the subject of Australian uh, batting. Uh, Australian coach Darren Lehman has announced that uh, Shane Watson will bat without pads in the final test. <laughs> we think we think Watson needs a greater incentive not to put his fucking legs in between the, f- <laughs> the fucking ball and the fucking stumps every single fucking innings. Any cricketing questions? Uh, right, the second round is generated by our studio audience, uh, who've um, got um, come up with various questions for our panellists. Could be sporting trivia, could be anything. And the first question comes from Neil. Where is Neil over here? Hello, Neil. If it's about Sarge, Chris is answering it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you could introduce a new nation to the world of cricket, which country would it be? France. Why, why, why France? Um, I like a win. <laughs> well, the good thing about France is that they, you can only eat lunch between one and two in France, can't you? I mean, you can, if you go earlier, they look at you like you're a complete lunatic, and if you go later, they've all gone. So, I suppose in that sense, it would be good work. match. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. Good match. Mm. but you know, what if we lost to France? I mean, that would just be awful. Well, I, Greece, 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 Greece is much better. The Greeks would just be happy to see us, you know. Got, but the Greeks have a degree money. of civilization, so surely the French need more civilizing. Yeah, but what they've also got is all of their main artifacts in the British Museum, and they've never complained about us keeping them, much like the Australians and the Ashes. So, <laughs> Greece, I think Greece strikes me as an absolutely perfect environment. Or, or Brazil, Brazil, surely would like to go to Brazil, and time zone's great. So, the game would start by my calculation at 3 p.m. Now that's perfect, isn't it? Have you ever, you know, if you watch cricket for seven and a half hours from 3 p.m., 10.30, still get home, last train, brilliant, Brazil. And you can play beach cricket in not very many clothes. And the women could play the beach cricket. In, and, well, anyone could play beach well, cricket. Well, let's go to Rio, yeah. yeah, let's go to Rio on that, on that Or point. Australia, they should learn how to play cricket. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Greeks have asked for their stuff back. They're quite diffident though, aren't but they? We, did offer to, we offered to lend the Elgin Marbles back to Greece. Not, not give, just lend, which, as gestures go, to me, is roughly equivalent to the crew of the Enola Gay offering to spend the afternoon in Hiroshima being really quiet. I'd like to see Italy in international cricket. Because I think you need more proper Italianate body language. Because that, I mean, they are natural entertainers. I saw some fencing at the Olympics. Now, I don't know if any of you have any of you ever watched fencing. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. Would you agree? It is completely impossible to tell what's going on. <laughs> no, there's no way of knowing what's going on other than the reaction of the fencers. And when it's Italians, you know exactly what's going on. <laughs> they, are, they wear their emotions on their sleeves. We have Stuart Broad, who just, yeah. every time anything happens, he looks like he cannot believe it. You see this one, a player, a player plays a forward defensive off the middle of the bat, and he's holding his head as if, I don't know, Elvis has just appeared out of the sky. <laughs> Uh, Richard, any, any Hang on, though, sorry. So, so, are you saying we wouldn't need DRS with the Italians? Because basically they'd edge it. Oh! Yeah, yeah, that's it. Great, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. Next time Stuart Broad appeals, I'm going to imagine he's Italian. <laughs> what more could he have done? Yeah. He just needs to go, Mamma mia! <laughs> 
<laughs> burst into tears. Italy appeals, doesn't yeah. it? Imagine a series, you go, what, first test Venice? Yeah. yeah, rain might be a problem. <laughs> yeah. be a bit of a sticky, wouldn't it? Bit of moisture. Yeah. Where sticky would you play it in Venice? <laughs> <laughs> in the square, Amalfi. Yeah. Oh, in the square. In the col- test match in the Coliseum. In the Coliseum, that would be uh, sensational. Yeah. yeah, that is a very good idea. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to withdraw France <laughs> and, uh, and fall in with your Italy idea. It's right. very good. It is sounding better and better, isn't it? <laughs> right now, we've got another question uh, from Chris Taylor. So, Al- Alistair Cook had a curry and a, and a couple of covers in the same curry house as us in Durham on the eve of the third day, possibly to, to uh, disorientate the Aussies with the re- resultant gas. <laughs> if you were opening the batting for your side, what meal would you have the night before and why? Did that actually happen? Yeah. Do you actually saw Cookie, as yep. we have to call him, that is his official name when we're trying to be nice about him. Trademark 2013. Yeah, no. short for Cook, by the way. He was... He, was <laughs> he, he drank... Two, how, what Wait, size, were, drink what two size were, the, were the Cobras? How big were they? Were they the 660 mil ones? Yeah, you can get, really? Yeah. So that's like two and a half pints on the, on the second day. That's a scoop. Richard. I'll leave that one to you. Did, he definitely drank co- He did not eat Cobras. The, <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, or wrestle. The, the, waitress, the waitress came out with, um, with like an orange and soda and a bottle of Cobra and thought, oh, He's having the orange and she's having the, uh, she's having the cobra. And it was Paul Gascoigne having the orange and soda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean cobra beer? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not get that in Yorkshire? <laughs> I know they don't eat much in the northeast, but... <laughs> you've got, that's a keen newshound's nose you've got there. You can <laughs> I can say capital C, it all makes sense. <laughs> I think the, 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 the question here is, what are you going to do to upset your oppo, isn't it, really? I mean, this is what this is about, and, and, and how can you use food to do that? And there's a really, I mean, obvious one for me, is Peter Siddle's bowling at you. You just have a bit of foie gras <laughs> in your mouth like that, and you've got like a, some, some veal that you're just tenderising <laughs> with the bat, ideally. And uh, any, uh, what, what, name, name an endangered species. Panda. <laughs> Panda, just dressed in panda pads. That's okay. you, do, you do that kind of thing. Although I did once, when I was captaining a side, we had a very, very hungover guy playing for us, and he absolutely reeked. He was the most odiferous human I've ever come across. And I did put him deliberately downwind at short leg. And it, you could, the batsman was, you know, really, like their eyes were squinting. Our bowler was quite quick, so that did work. But yeah, I would say foie, foie gras and veal, for me, to vegans. I reckon David Boone had that going on at short leg, didn't he? Just probably yeah, like a rotting, a rotting sardine in his moustache. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine, though, on the flight all the way from Australia, if he'd actually not just been on beer, but he'd been on curry as well? Can you imagine the stench coming from first class? Customs would have been intriguing, yeah. wouldn't it? Just play whatever makes you happiest. Right, that's, that's a very 21st yeah. century attitude to that. KFC. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's KFC, life, every single time. Quality, <laughs> Quality, um, <laughs> which, which is uh, which is what I maintain KFC actually stands for. Because <laughs> when you're that passionate about fried food, it's the spelling that's the first to go. <laughs> Testify. <laughs> right, let's have uh, Rene. Do we have a question from? Is he that in the audience as well? Oh, yeah. so I was looking Ren- for Gordon Kay as well. I have yeah. to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was looking for the late yes. Gordon Kay in the and Look out in David Smith's office for the fall of Madonna with the big boobies. <laughs> <laughs> not enough Allo Allo references. No. <laughs> not enough. No. What was that name? Oh, it's yeah, just yeah, a shame it's not, it's, we're doing this in the evening, really, isn't it? And then, you know, we... we, we well, otherwise go. we could go home and watch a box set of Allo Allo. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how Phil Hughes prepares for a test match. <laughs> <laughs> he watches box sets of Allo Allo. Uh, no, he has, he has more of the feel of You Rang My Lord. <laughs> <laughs> or possibly even Oh Dr. Beeching. <laughs> or maybe I'm confusing him with... Didn't um, oh Dr. Beeching open the bowling for the Leeward Islands in the 1950s? <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> Australia's selection panel don't seem to have a clue what they're doing. Um, in order to resolve the problem, who of the following would you install as the head selector? Vladimir Putin, Boutros Boutros Ghali, Muammar Gaddafi, or the Royal Baby? Well, they're all lively candidates, aren't they? I'd, I'd go with the Royal Baby, I think. In, in the same way that that octopus correctly predicted all the winners in uh, the World Cup. Or was it the World Cup before last? I can't remember. Um, I think similarly, you could just lay out the baby's uh, play mat. With right. I'm glad you went with that. I was thinking that you were going to do some kind of bizarre medieval fortune telling based, <laughs> based on its infant productions <laughs> oh no, no or e- equally I wasn't going to uh, um, inspect its innards by just <laughs> ripping it um, centrally um, I uh, I've already restrained of you Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm glad I didn't say that in public uh, yes yeah, so you lay out the play map and um and then there can be certain selectorial decisions written on the mat, and whatever it crawls towards, that's, that's who you go for. If it crawls towards <laughs> James Taylor, and probably straight over him, <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> then uh, that's who you go with. It's got to be Putin, isn't it? Putin. It's got to be Colonel Gaddafi. Put the boot in. Put Colonel in. Gaddafi. <laughs> Gaddafi. Are um, you basically saying a decomposing despot would be a better head of selectors than their current... Than Bush. <laughs> <laughs> it's a controversial view, and one, <laughs> that, one, one that I imagine Richard has written many times. In the but, are we, <laughs> but are we comparing him to Peter May? So, in which case, then, I would actually go for it. <laughs> Fair <laughs> point. Look, yeah. uh, he was in charge in 89, wasn't he? Exactly. Yeah. When England had... Mm-hmm. There were six, there six tests, and they had four changes after the first test, four changes after the second test, four changes after the third, fourth and fifth, uh, and a uh, third and fourth test, and after the fifth test, six changes. That, that is a selector earning his wage. <laughs> <laughs> what, how, much, how much does Jeff Miller get paid, Richard? Do you know? Well, when he started, they said £80,000. And what, he makes, what, one or two changes a year? Yeah, <laughs> it's pathetic. He should be it's on commission only, shouldn't he? <laughs> per, pay per change. Is Jeff Miller also on the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee? <laughs> <laughs> I want some other oh, I'll leave it. No, we, we had John Embry on, on the sofa, and he, he told us about this. He said, uh, and, and, and John Embry's a very, um, he, he likes to swear a lot. <laughs> and he goes, oh, unbelievable. I have four in changes, and then four again. And, and Peter May would come in, and he'd give this speech, and he'd go, to all of us, he'd go, you are the best 11 players in England. <laughs> and he gave that speech five times <laughs> to 29 different players. My, fa- <laughs> My favourite... Can you imagine that? <laughs> he, he is a, a staggering swearer, John Embury. Absolutely incredible. Um, he was compiling his best 11 of the best players he'd ever played against, because uh, that's a feature we do on the sofa. And he would say, oh, did, did I play against Wazim Akram? I can't remember. I said, well, did you play against him at, at Lancashire? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, first ball right on the f- 
fucking tit. <laughs> but, the, um, but his his greatest achievement, and possibly the greatest achievement in the history of swearing I've ever heard, was when he used the phrase benefit fucking match. Which is amazing, amazing. Oh yeah, next day was Mike Gang's benefit fucking match. Incredible. Incre what, what a service to the English language that phrase is. I think if ever we need a revival of Glengarry Glen Ross, then, then John M. Bury has got to play the lead, clearly. Okay, we're going to do a new round. This is a brand new round. Uh, we're going to do uh, English or Australian where our panellists oh. have to guess uh, whether a player is English or Australian. These are all uh, test cricketers from the past. No looking at my screen. <laughs> um, so... Who's <laughs> 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 Australian? Australian. Okay. <laughs> so, right. The first one. This will go to... This will go to... This will go to... The, uh, the commentators. Uh, this is a genuine test cricketer. Holmesdale Nietzsche. Holmesdale Nietzsche. English is or Australian. He's quite definitely Australian, isn't he? Holmesdale Nietzsche, Nietzsche surely. Holmesdale Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Brought up in a uh, German suburb of Sydney. Has got to be Australian. Australian. No Franco-Prussian War, I think, put us off them. It's got to be them. Australian. Australian. That is the correct answer. Now, for an extra... <laughs> he played two tests in the 1931-2 series against South Africa, Holmesdale Nietzsche. Uh, true or now for each one you get a true or false afterwards. It's just like, uh, like university challenge. You think you've got the answer right, yeah. and then you have to do three yeah, more right. after that. Outrageous. Uh, Holmesdale, true or false? Holmesdale Nietzsche was the love child of the German philosophy celeb Freddie, who put it about a bit on a tour of Australia in 1904, when his most reliable chat-up line was, "Do you want to see my Apollonian dichotomy?" <laughs> it can't be true. I was hoping no, it's on 50/50 no, 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 in school, so ignore me. It's definitely not true. Not true. It's definitely. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, no, no child of Nietzsche would end up in Australia. No, untrue. No, that untrue. Is, that untrue. Is, untrue. That is untrue. Nietzsche, of course, died in 1900. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, but you didn't tell us how old he was in yeah. 1931. And you didn't tell us what his average was yeah. in 1899. <laughs> Australians are forever picking 35-year-olds at the top of the order. For all we knew, he could have been easily. Could yeah. have been, anyway, so now for like, the, sorry. the England team. Is this play English or Australian? Dick Power. <laughs> <laughs> Was, it, was he the replacement just in case Jeremy Clarkson was, uh, was <laughs> ill on an episode of Top Gear or something? Dick Power! How are you spelling power? Is that P-A-W-A-R? I'm not telling you, Daniel. No. That is a confidential secret. Dick! Dick Power! I think, power. Yeah, I think Dick Power is what Clarkson's called on Bebo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dick, uh, Dick Power. I, I don't know. Is it, is it, is it, I'd go in. Is it a shame nickname? No. Shame <laughs> <laughs> Dick Power. Well, that's something. It could be Richard Power. I've not heard of Richard Power. When, when, uh, when did he play? Dick, Dick Power. Well, he played one test in the 1890s. <laughs> oh, him. Uh, the old one test wonder. They, um, yeah. they, didn't, they really didn't have the selection sorted out back then, did they? So, right, gonna have to, gonna have to hurry you for the answer. Dick Power, English or Australian? English. English. English yeah. is the correct answer. So that's a point. Now, for your true or false. True or false. Dick Power used to celebrate his wickets by screaming, You've just copped a blast of Dick Power! Until. 
at a Gentleman v Players match in 1895, his victory roar caused the watching Queen Victoria to collapse in the pavilion, swooning, oh, I miss my Albert. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, False, because in 95, Queen Victoria was a recluse. She was a rook, she was a rook. Yeah. You've thought your way through that. <laughs> okay, now. And, and he was a batsman. <laughs> a res- respectful ripple there, I enjoyed that. For the uh, commentators English or Australian? Hugh Motley Thurlow. Now they're trying to make this thing that that must be English. Hugh, classically Australian name, isn't it? Because basically, we're talking about convicts here, and most of them are Irish, so they've gone to Australia and Welsh. Irish and Welsh, the Celts. We're trying to get rid of the Celts. Get rid of, imagine, if you're, imagine if there was no Glamorgan. 17. <laughs> that, was the, that was the first draft of John Lennon's song, by the way. It's easy if you try. He just, he, just, he just really thought the county championship should be just English. <laughs> Australia. I'm sticking with Australia. Yeah, Australia. Australia's the correct answer. Played one test. You can clap that. Well done. <laughs> yeah. one well, test. It was a complete shot in the dark. It was, no, it, it was brilliantly thought out, Chris. Also, yes, uh, it, also against South Africa in the 31-32 series. In his only test innings, he was run out for naught, leaving Don Bradman stranded on 299. Good. Yeah. Well done. He's my hero. <laughs> how, um, how soon afterwards did he emigrate? <laughs> well, he was never picked again. They mixed around in that series, didn't they? they, they sure Nietzsche did. and Motley Thurlow. Yeah. Yeah. He should have been immediately knighted, though, for that. <laughs> uh, here's your true or false on Hugh Motley Thurlow. He holds the Australian record for most blancmange eaten in one sitting. <laughs> False. 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 It's true. Well, I mean, it's nearly true. He was nicknamed Pud. <laughs> true, pud, false, so. and maybe. Maybe true. Is, so he was, Scotland, His something. nickname was Pud, short for pudding, so let's basically assume that was true. So, <laughs> and, and presumably all eating and drinking records are, can be assumed to be David Boone unless otherwise proven. <laughs> and finally, uh, for England... Ike Travers, English or Australian? <laughs> Ike and Tina Travers. <laughs> Ike, is that Ike short for Dwight? <laughs> that is a lovely Eisenhower joke, and I think it deserves more. <laughs> no, I don't know this one. Oh, oh, oh do you, I? you oh, knew do the I? others. Do I? <laughs> yeah, I was annoyed. Well, I was annoyed not to get that Plumage one because. Yeah. Uh, no, you go. Australian is correct. He played one test for Australia in the 1901-02. They did have a lot of silly names in the 2 but he was not one of them. Now, true or false, Ike Travers was terrified of tennis. (laughs) Absolutely petrified of tennis. True or false? I think, I think we should answer yes, yes. in a yes. way. <laughs> his, yeah, his nickname was Rackets. <laughs> well, I don't have that as part of the answer, but you are or, correct. Or net. <laughs> it was yes in okay. It was enough. That is yes enough. Uh, he was terrified. <laughs> was his of, nickname Nets Shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> he was absolutely terrified of tennis. He was instrumental as an administrator in bringing Don Bradman to play for South Australia in 1935 because, according to his Crick Info biography, he thought Bradman's presence would help counteract the growing popularity of tennis. So he was <laughs> petrified of tennis. <laughs> so you get a point for that. That brings us to, yeah. to the end of the first half. Chris, what are the scores? 
the commentary team have 10, but England have 11. Where we go? It's a fix. It's a fix. We're getting some breaking minor injury news ahead of the oval tests. Uh, Ryan Harris is set to be fit after recovering from a minor shoulder pummeling, trying to barge open an oak tree that he thought had a magic door in it. So Harris is fit for the Oval. And that brings us to the end of the first half. Uh, we'll, back, we'll have a 10 to 15 minute break, then we're back uh, for the second half. Thanks very much. Cheers. The Times presents The Greatest Test. Part two. It's like part one, but better. Thank God. Welcome back to The Greatest Test from The Times, a podcast comedy show dedicated to the ashes. Praise be to the ashes who knoweth all things. I'm joined by my two teams today, the commentators, Chris Edgerton and Dan Norcross, who have how many points, Chris? Ten, is it? Uh, No, they have ten. Ten? (laughs) That does... That wow. sounds like a yes, or is that an, um, is that an umpire's call 10? That, <laughs> that was a maybe like your earlier yes. <laughs> and for the uh, England team, uh, James Sherwood and Richard Hobson, who have 11. No, I think it's 11. 11, there we go. I'm glad we're all agreed on that. So uh, we're going to uh, start with uh, straight, straight going into a quiz, on the buzzers quiz Ooh. section. Oh, Ooh. And this... Um, this, uh, this quiz is all about one of England's great heroes of the summer. The it summer. is a round all about... Ian Bell. <laughs> okay. Right, so... She's, she sounds quite cross. <laughs> uh, let's start. What is Ian Bell's middle name? Yes. Ah! Ronald. Ronald, correct. Uh, it is Ronald. He has one test wicket. But it's a beauty. Who was it? Yes. Tendulkar. It was not Tendulkar, no. <laughs> yes. Ponting. No. You're in the right average bracket. Jack Callis. No. I was going to say Callis as well. Graham Smith. No. Not Dravid. No. Leary Constant. Chandler Leary Constant. Leary Constant's had batting average is about 31 <laughs> miles away. <laughs> Uh, it was, yes? Jermaine Greer. Not Greer. Not Greer. <laughs> that, was, that was in a one-day international. Oh, brilliant. Steve Waugh. Not Steve Waugh. Mike Hussey. Not Mike Hussey. What country? Pakistan. Intermon Mulhak. No. Yusuf. Yusuf is correct. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Salim Yusuf. Yeah. This sounds like, <laughs> well, this sounds like a better version of Hungry Hippos. Rent. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that's never been a radio show, really? Hungry Hippos. Hippos. It's not really it should be. I know, but Inzam Amal Hack has done a TV show called Hungry Hippos. Which but that was just him <laughs> versus some hippos, wasn't it? In an eating competition. Those David hippos. Sales, a guest, uh, <laughs> David Sales. Those hippos came a poor second in that eating competition, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, it was. His only test we get Mohammed Yusuf caught and bowled for 78. Caught and bowled? I'd do yeah. everything himself. Yep, not a bad record. Should, should count twice, though. Um, <laughs> uh, can Ian Bell walk on water? In a way. <laughs> Oddly, yes. If yes is the correct answer. Yeah. He can. He can after, if, after three hundreds in in three Ashes victories, he can walk on water. Uh, yeah, if, that's, that's the way. Yes, that's the way I meant. You got it wrong. Review it. If Ian Bell survives three balls in the next test, what will what milestone will he have achieved? 
Yes, a full three ball innings. <laughs> that is <coughs> 1,000 balls in the series. Half a point. 1,000 balls in the series. Is correct. Uh, can Ian, Ian Bell fly? Um, yeah, if he buys a ticket. <laughs> in a way, in the way. Sorry. He can fly without wings, possibly. He can fly. He, he can fly with that. We'll give you that. We'll give you a point for that. Bell averages 71 in this series. What do Cook, Root, Trot, Peterson, Bess, and Pryor average collectively? 28. Yes, did you just look at my screen? No. All right, 28. Is no, I've read your article. Oh, you read my no, article? <laughs> well. You might get this one. And what, what had Bell averaged over the previous 18 months? 32. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> that one. It's easy, this, isn't it? One, Did you guys not listening to read one, stuff? There is one very happy Indian betting syndicate right here. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, does Ian... All, all, of, all of them. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> oh, dear. So you went on about Bell, didn't you, in that, in that thing? So I thought, oh, I wonder if they'll ask me about Bell. At the end of that round, Chris, what are the scores? England have 13 and a half. The commentators have 15. Ooh. Big. We'll fight back against this imperialist that's, swine. That's Big turnaround. The whole thing is a distribution. <laughs> Big turnaround because Daniel had read my article. Great. Good the research. Next. Good research. <laughs> the next round uh, is called The Audience Are Idiots. The audience are idiots. That's you, that is. You, in the front row. Um, Have you been which, before, then? Which, <laughs> <laughs> which I believe is the uh, working title uh, for Question Time as well, in uh, David, <laughs> David Dimbleby's head. Um, uh, we asked our audience here tonight in Northampton some questions, and our panellists have to guess how they answered. Uh, simple. So firstly, we asked the audience, would you prefer a night talking cricket with Andy Zaltzman or 90 seconds of wild loving in a cupboard with Brad Pitt stroke Kim Wilde stroke whoever you people fancy these days? Are, we talking, are we talking Kim Wilde in her London Underground? Absolute, we're talking absolute prime here. Yes. Well, uh, that's, that's what now, percentage right? wanted cricket talk with Andy Zaltzman rather than the wild loving in a cupboard? Ooh, and it's genuinely these people, yep. is it? <laughs> to the nearest, anything within five percent. You want? Well, yes. Uh, I, I reckon. I reckon sixty-eight percent. Kim Wilde. No, incorrect. Right now they can't be true because there's thirty-one of them. So I've, I've calculated <laughs> what each person represents as a percentage. Sixty-eight percent cannot be done. Three-ish. Did Andy yep. put this in another? Sixty-eight. Yeah, I'm. Oh, now, uh, what percentage want want you in a yeah. cupboard, and what percent want? What percent no, no, what percent? Want me? <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not available for cupboard loving, Daniel. You know that. Mind you, I've been on the sofa. You've asked me. I've said no time there and is, again. There is the added virtue though of being dark in a cupboard so yep. you, you might stand more of a chance you know, yeah. they'd go for Zaltzman they'd well, what, say what 17 if my calculations are remotely correct and they may not be about 79.8 is what I'm thinking <laughs> it's That's 70 it's 75% ah, yeah. <laughs> 75 yeah so you're winning but the there's 31 percent. people here what so how do you <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aristotle. Oh, you rounded it up, did you? Uh, 75% would rather... Fiddled. Well, I think that's 90 seconds of wild loving. I mean, that's... I think these people just like value for money. <laughs> uh, a cricket team was formed consisting of a German shepherd, a lamprey, an orangutan, uh, an elephant, a gopher, a donkey, a hedgehog, a bonobo, an octopus, a unicorn, and Peter Siddle. 
<laughs> Who did our audience think should open the batting? <laughs> oh, I need, I need that again. Okay, German Shepherd, Lamprey, Orangutan, Elephant, Gopher, Donkey, Hedgehog, Bonobo, Octopus, Unicorn, and Peter Siddle. What a law firm that is. Thanks. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I know Cheers, what I think should be open. James. Uh, I'd go for a unicorn and Peter Siddle. Well, you're half right. On, yeah. on the Uni- basis that, you know, that you want a classic left-hand, right-hand combination. <laughs> uh, and that's like an extreme version of yeah. sort of a, uh, a vegan stroke imaginary combination. Yeah. Uh, bonobo? Not the bonobo. No, the lamprey's right out as well. Sorry, can I just... For those they love a fumble. What the hell is a bonobo? A bonobo? It's a masturbating monkey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Shane Watson again, then. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just. I think that man just won the Ashes. <laughs> well, we'll all the opposition. I'll give, we'll give him a point. It was the incorrect answer. Elephant and the unicorn. Why on earth would you open a batting with an elephant? He's clearly a middle order biffer. Solid and dependable. Yeah. I think that brings us to the end of the audience are idiots rounds. Can we have a quick score update, please, Chris? England have fifteen and a half. And the commentators have 17. It's a very high scoring game. With the point of injury news coming in, uh, Jonathan Trott will be fit for the Oval, despite suffering north degree burns trying to barbecue a miniature sausage over a scented candle. <laughs> Whilst umpire Marais Erasmus is fit, despite a slight nip to his triggering finger trying to give a Labrador puppy out LBW. <laughs> Whilst Tim Bresnan is fit to play the Oval, despite having borrowed Phil Hughes's box set of Allo Allo. Yeah. <laughs> Watching them all in one sitting and temporarily deciding to retire from cricket due to the futility of war. <laughs> right, we're on to round five, which uh, some of our regular listeners will, uh, uh, will recognise. Uh, for this round, we're delighted to welcome back producer Chris's wife, she knows more about cricket than Chris's mum. For example, she knows that his cricket stick is called a bat. But that is about all she knows. Now, she's going to describe some Ashes stars. Our panel have to guess who it is. You have to listen to the whole description and then buzz in with your answer. So let's have the first one now, Chris. Well, he's wearing a Vodafone hat and he looks a little bit old for a cricketer. And actually, in some ways, he looks like he hasn't even got any teeth. Nicky Louder. Just that he's sucking on a lemon. <laughs> Is that... Was that just a... No, that was ears. He was with... <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> Peter Siddle. Peter Siddle? Incorrect. It is not Peter Siddle, James. Uh, uh, Darren Lehman. Darren Lehman? Is it Darren Lehman? It's Andy Flower. Andy Flower? Say he looks that. a lot like Nicky Lauder. <laughs> <laughs> so neither, neither side got that one right. Let's have the next Ashes cricketer description. Well, he looks like a young guy, but he doesn't exactly look youthful, if that makes sense. Hair's kind doesn't. of fair. Um, he looks like he might be a little bit portly for a cricketer. A bit piggyish in the face. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> It's P- Stephen Smith. Piggy Smith. Yeah. Steve Smith. It's Stephen Piggy Smith. It is correct, that is. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's, uh, let's have the next one, Chris. 
Well, he's blonde and mean-looking, like an Australian, but the confusing thing is that he's wearing Indian clothes and he's got a guitar. So, Daniel. Is that Brett Lee? It is Brett Lee. <laughs> wearing Sorry. And uh, finally, the last one of these Ashes descriptions. You have to wait for the end and then you can buzz in. I think he looks a bit like the sledgehammer of eternal justice. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say it. No, you should say it, Andy. That, that is, of course, Ian, Ian Bell. Bell. Ian Bell, the, sledge, <laughs> the sledgehammer of eternal justice himself. It's on, it's on his Wikipedia page. That makes it a fact. It's, it's one of his official nicknames on his Wikipedia page. Uh, the sledgehammer of eternal justice. Which is something I called him in a radio show four years ago, I think, for the first time, trying to make him, him sound more imposing. Uh, and his career statistics since then have shot up. Now, that cannot be coincidence. <laughs> also, uh, other nicknames listed on his Wikipedia page are the Duke of Bellington, the Viceroy, and Black Panther of Vengeance. <laughs> is that true? That's a new one. That wasn't there last week. I think, I think, so. I think this has now become clearly a, the latest Wikipedia hobby for people to give Ian Bell rogue nicknames. You, you have been busy, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done nothing with me. Um, yeah. I'm going to play you a jigsaw so you yeah. don't do that anymore <laughs> <laughs> if you keep playing with Ian Bell's Wikipedia page it will drop off <laughs> um, great well that brings us to the end of that, that round Chris what are, the, what are the scores at the end of that round England have 15 and a half but the commentators now have 19 Quickly, uh, an, another one English or Australian for each team. English or Australian, W.H. Moole. As in Marinier. <laughs> yeah. Westmoreland, Hampshire, Moole. <laughs> or it might mean Wallabooga. <laughs> I think the Look, second's more likely. Huh? He is Australian. He played... He played his... His solitary test at the Oval in 1880. You don't need to tell me that. Ah, that one. True or false? W.H. Moule changed his name because of his love of French cuisine. He was born W.H. Muscle. <laughs> it's, it's another trick. He's into weightlifting. <laughs> true, true or false? You look confused. I'm, I'm thinking false. <laughs> False. False is correct. Finally, for the commentators, <laughs> Hopper Levitt. Oh, oh, so Australian. It's unbelievable. Hopper. Hopper. English. You think? Hopper. I have absolute proof. Oh, really? Absolute proof. Oh. His ashes were spread at the old tree at the St. Lawrence Ground in Canterbury. That is correct. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Because the problem was, the problem was... He's just won the ashes for the second time. <laughs> the problem was, and if you talk to David Fulton, he'll tell the story a lot better than I do, um, that apparently one field decided to slide into that particular area. And Matthew Fleming, the particularly posh captain of Kent, at that particular time, exclaimed in the dressing room, Oh, Hopper's bought it! <laughs> so his ashes went with the old tree at Canterbury. 
now the new one the new one will now grow and, and, and allow new former players. It was a Kent, Kent, Kent player, was he? So yeah, yeah. yeah. Comes Kent, tons Kent, of your Kings Canterbury or something. Kent, like that. Kent, with a name like Hopper. Hopper yeah, said he's going to be from Kent. Uh, he was. Uh, he played one Test against yeah. India yeah. in uh, 1933, <laughs> 34. Uh, Kent, wicketkeeper, but he apparently liked to drink. And one game playing for Kent, uh, the story goes that he turned up hammered. Um, Massively hungover, still drunk, basically, and um, uh, he had to, had to be kind of helped out into the field. They strapped his pads on, gave him his gloves, plonked him behind the stumps. So he crouched down, and the bowler runs in, sends down the first ball of the match, beats the batsman, flies straight past Hopper Levitt's head, and goes through for four byes without him moving. So, and and that this this pretty unorthodox wicket. Bear in mind, this is long before Cameron Akmal has come on the scene. So this this was kind of <laughs> this was unusual wicket keeping. So then. So anyway, he's, he's crouching down again, in comes the bowler, this time down the leg side, batsman flicks at it, gets an edge, past leg stump, Levitt hurls himself and takes a spectacular diving catch. His teammates cannot believe it, they say, how, how did you do that in the condition you're in? And he said, I don't know, but it wasn't bad for the first ball of the day, was it? LAUGHTER <laughs> <laughs> One of the finest cricket stories I've ever heard. So, and that, that is also on the internet, so that is also a stone-cold fact. Right, so after that miniature round, what's the score as we head into the final round of the quiz? It's got close to England, 17 and a half. Commentators, 20. Right. Okay. I don't know this half. What's this half all about? Where do we get half from? There's a lot of points up for grabs in our final quick-fire on-the-buzzer round. This round is called Guess the Future. We don't know the answers to any of these questions yet. England, his, his so, prediction, England will win their shit. So, we don't know the answers to any of these questions, so you cannot get them right or wrong, but you still have to buzz in an answer. Great. Okay, first question. How many test wickets will Stuart Broad take by the end of his career? James. Hundreds. How, you're going to have to be more specific than that. Oh, Several hundreds. Several, well, he's already taken 200. Correct. <laughs> That's not close enough. Daniel? No. Oh, sorry. 50 before he goes bald as a coot. 50 more before he goes bald as a coot? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Any other guesses? It, it's really simple. All you've got to do is work out how old he is now, how many wickets he's taken, how many games he's likely to play in the future, and then extrapolate from where you're at, and the answer you'll find is 378 exactly, at an average of 29.98 with a late 11 for in his last match. <laughs> well, I'm afraid we don't know that. We don't know the answer yet, so neither side gets any points. Right. <laughs> Usman Khawaja, all-time Australian legend, or also ran who played his last test in 2013? B. We don't know yet, so I'm afraid I can't give you that. <laughs> Philip Hughes, he's like a broken computer. Australians seem to think if they keep switching him off and switching him on again, he might start working again like he did when he was new. <laughs> but how many test matches will Phil Hughes play in his career? Exactly the same number as Mark Rampagash, which I believe is 58. Well, we don't know that, so I'm afraid I can't give you any points. <laughs> right, Joe Root, the new Len Hutton or the new Tim Curtis? <laughs> correct. <laughs> correct. Is <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> okay. And finally, fill in the missing word. When Alistair Cook retires, he will be remembered as one of England's most blank captains. <laughs> 
correct. <laughs> incorrect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my answer. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, um, yeah. Unmemorable. Uh, uh, un unmemorable captains. Yeah. Most unmemorable captains. What do you think? Uh, well, I was going to say blank. Somebody said that sheep farmingist. <laughs> that's a, that's a kind of an adjective an American sports commentator would make up. Well, Steve Waugh used to go in for that, didn't he? Steve Waugh used to talk about I want to be the most winningest captain yeah. in Test history. What do you mean? <laughs> Should be banned. Yep. Dark haired. Dark haired. Well, that's yes. That that that. So dark, his hair's almost blue. <laughs> what what do you what do you think of? Uh, uh, oh, oh, is that the end? Bingo. Well, that, uh, here we go. Is, is that the goldfish? He's parking his car again. Let's let the let's let the sound effect play out. There we go. It's done. Right. That's that concludes the quiz. No one got any points in that round. Not even for Alistair having dark hair. So what is the that, what is the final score? <laughs> Andy, there appears to be no change in the scores oh, right. from the uh, previous <laughs> round. England have 17 and a half, but the commentators have 20. Well, there we go. Big win for the commentators. To our England team, uh, Richard Hobson and uh, James Sherwood, and to our commentators, Chris Edgerton and Daniel Norcross. Thanks very much to our crowd here. In Northampton, thanks very much to England for winning the Ashes. Thanks very much to uh, the human race for inventing cricket uh, and to whatever caused physics uh, to exist because without it, cricket just wouldn't be the game we've come to know. <laughs> just be stuff floating around doing nothing, no. which is basically cook and trot batting against, <laughs> against the Indian seamers, I think. So, <laughs> uh, thanks very much. I've been Andy Zaltzman. Uh, do tune in for the uh, seventh and final instalments, uh, live, uh, well, recorded from Chiswick next week. Goodbye. Greatest tests can offer all cricket fans a free £20 bet with Paddy Power. If you sign up to Paddy Power with just a £5 bet, they will provide a free £20 bet just for listeners of The Greatest Test. Signing up is easy. All you have to do is go to openhouseproductions.co.uk forward slash Paddy Power or see the link in our SoundCloud feed. So sign up now for a free £20 bet with Paddy Power. Ian Bell.